welcome to This Week in Video Games, episode 34. My name's Tom Kershaw, and this is a podcast all about the world of video games. So this week, I've been playing Link's Awakening and the untitled Goose Game on Nintendo Switch. In the news this week, Microsoft plan a public beta for Project xCloud, Last of Us 2 gets a release date, and Borderlands 3 becomes the fastest-selling game in 2K history. So it's a pack show. Let's get to it. Welcome to the show, everyone. I hope you're well and you're having a good week. I'm good this week, and I'm super excited to be playing Link's Awakening. It's uh, one of my most anticipated games of the year, and I couldn't be happier with the final result. So I'll get to more of that in the review later, but I'm a huge Legend of Zelda fan, and this is the first time I've reviewed a Zelda game. When I finished the review, I took a step back and I said to myself, this is something that I love. Uh, so I'm so excited to share my thoughts with you this week on the podcast. And you may have noticed uh, that last week there was no podcast, and that's because I'm moving to bi-weekly podcast model rather than every week. So what with work commitments and other life events, I found I was rushing my reviews and not producing the best content for you. So I've decided to refocus, and I'm hoping a podcast every two weeks will lead to better quality content for you, the listener. My eventual goal would be to move to more podcasts, but for that to happen, I've got to make a success of the content creation. So outside of the podcast, I also focus a lot of energy into the YouTube channel, taking the best reviews, interviews, and I've started making guides for the games that I enjoy the most. So if you enjoy This Week in Video Games content and want to help me support myself on my quest to podcast more, then first of all, subscribe to the podcast on Apple or on Spotify or on Google Podcasts. And then if you want, go over to YouTube and check out some more This Week in Video Games content. I'd really, really appreciate it. One day, I would love this to be my only focus, but it's going to take a lot of hard work, maybe a little bit of luck and some good timing. Plus all the support from you lovely folk out there. So uh, yeah, subscribe to the podcast and check out the YouTube channel. So with community in mind, I've also recently started a Discord. Uh, I'd love to build a community of like-minded folks around video games. There's specific channels for games like Destiny 2, Borderlands 3 and The Legend of Zelda. Uh, plus you'll get notified whenever a YouTube video goes live. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, join up. The link's in the show notes. Right, that is enough waffle from me. Uh, let's get into what I've been playing this week. So this week I've been playing Link's Awakening, an untitled Goose Game on Nintendo Switch. So I've been looking forward to Link's Awakening for some time, but untitled Goose Game really surprised me, and in a good way. It's delightful, short, hilarious, and uh, it's a game I think everyone should play. I'll get into the untitled Goose Game in a bit, but first of all, let's take a look at my review of Legend of Zelda, Link's Awakening. Oh, my God. 
Washed up on a beach in 2019, a full 26 years since the original came out, The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening is back on Nintendo Switch in full remade glory. Link's Awakening was released on the Game Boy in 1993 and was originally planned as a port of The Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past, which was featured on the Super Nintendo in 1991. And that's a classic which still holds up today and can currently be found on the SNES for Nintendo Switch Online. During the port, it became an original and standalone Zelda game, which stood out from the others in the Legend of Zelda series due to its abandonment of some of the series' regular features like Princess Zelda, Ganon and the Triforce. This was a game that wanted to stand on its own two feet, and at the time was a modern marvel in development, featuring on the Game Boy, which features restricted the development team. The end product, despite these restrictions, was a masterpiece of its time, and one that still holds up today. Back in early 2019, rumours were going around that a top-down Zelda game was in development. Then in February, during a Nintendo Direct, Nintendo finished up the Direct with the announcement that Link's Awakening was coming back. Not only that, it was going to be a full remake on Nintendo Switch. Link's Awakening had an enhanced edition released before in 1998 on the Game Boy Color, and that was named Link's Awakening DX, and that included a color enhancement and a new dungeon. Link's Awakening was a huge commercial success with over 6 million copies sold of Link's Awakening and the DX version on the Game Boy and the Game Boy Color. So now to the Nintendo Switch version. So we start the adventure with Link on a boat sailing the seas then all of a sudden his boat is struck by lightning and he's washed ashore of a mysterious place called Koholint Island. He's taken back to a small house by a young girl called Marin. Link wakes up at the house and mistakes Marin for Princess Zelda she explains to Link he's on Koholint Island and he should probably go to the beach as the monsters on the island have become restless. As Link makes his way to the beach he's visited by a friendly owl who explains the windfish is stirring on top of the mountain. Link's job is to wake the sleeping windfish by playing the instruments of the island which are found around the various dungeons of Koholint. Link's awakening is linear in fashion much like the earlier games in the series. The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild broke this mould with its open world approach in 2017. However, Link's Awakening is much more linear in fashion. Your job is to find keys to get you into dungeons, pick up the item to make yourself more powerful and then use that item to defeat the boss in the dungeon to collect a series of instruments then ultimately use them to wake the windfish. There's been a number of improvements to the gameplay mechanics in the remake of Link's Awakening whereby some items are automatically equipped. For example, on the Game Boy game you had to equip the power bracelet to pick up heavy items, but here on the Nintendo Switch this is equipped automatically freeing up the X and Y buttons for other items like bombs or the bow and arrow. Classic items are here like the hookshot, bottles and the boomerang. Puzzle design here in Link's Awakening harks back to the mid-90s, however still feels good in 2019. If you've never played Link's Awakening before, then this game will be an absolute treat and pairs perfectly well with a recent edition of A Link to the Past on the SNES for Nintendo Switch Online. Breath of the Wild introduced breakable weapons to the game and a variety of outfits, however this remake stays true to the early formula of Zelda games. So if you've got a subscription to Nintendo Switch Online, you can now play the first four Zelda games in the series, with two on the NES with The Legend of Zelda and Zelda 2 Adventures of Link. You've got A Link to the Past on the SNES, and now the Link's Awakening remake. It would be interesting to see how new Nintendo fans take to these games given the structure is so different from Breath of the Wild. 
I remember playing Link's Awakening on the original Game Boy when it came out in 1993, so it's been a long time since I played the game. However, it's like slipping on an old comfortable pair of shoes, with the puzzles feeling familiar but still satisfying to solve. All of your favourite dungeons are back, including the extra colour dungeon that was added as part of Link's Awakening DX. There's also the delightful trading puzzle, which weaves its way through the game, culminating in a really good weapon, but it's not mandatory, um, but it definitely adds something to Link's arsenal. The graphics and sound have been completely overhauled with a beautiful new art style for the series. There's a gloss on all the characters which makes them look like amiibo come to life, with a tilt-shifted view that makes you want to reach into the screen and touch the world. Link is cute, perhaps a little too cute for a hero with a sword. And there wasn't the uproar that we saw when the game was announced like there was back with The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. The sound design in the game is fantastic, with all the classic tunes from the original game recorded by an orchestra, and the audio really soars in this remake. There's an overarching positive feeling when playing this game, and it's something that I've always enjoyed about the Legend of Zelda series. The fact that it's one of my favourite game series of all time does make me a little bit biased, but I enjoyed every minute of playing through Link's Awakening. The art style is fresh and new, the gameplay feels familiar, but as I haven't played it in 25 years or so, then I couldn't remember all the puzzles, so playing through it again felt fresh and nearly new. Puzzles are satisfying to complete, and it's nice to take a step back in time with Link and have a completely different adventure to the one we had in Breath of the Wild. Where that game broke the mould for the series, it took it in a direction whereby it probably won't return to the former linear style, and it will probably be tweaked rather than turn 180 degrees. However, Link's Awakening stays true to the original game formula that created that worldwide phenomenon. There are a few drawbacks to the game, however, and the main one has got to be its performance. The game does chug and splutter when there are a lot of sprites on the screen, like in Mabe Village when you try and run through with the Pegasus boots. I didn't find this a deal breaker or make me want to turn off the game, but it certainly is noticeable. I wouldn't say it ruins the experience, but the frame rate issues can't be ignored. Another small gripe is the price, which has been reflected online with some feedback to Nintendo. This was $49.99 here in the UK, which is quite expensive for a remake. However, there is a lot of love and hard work gone into it with the graphics and the audio overhaul, so I don't think it's too much of a problem. In summary, The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening is a great remake and it stays true to the original and provides graphics, gameplay and audio enhancements on top of an already successful formula. Much of Nintendo's fanbase would have been too young or not even born when the first game came out, so releasing this remake now makes perfect sense. To those who have played the game before, it's a reminder of the series' classic past, and to those who have never played the game before, it's an introduction to the more formulaic Zelda games of yesteryear. I would have liked to experience the game without playing it before, and it would definitely be interesting to see and understand the opinions of those who encountered Breath of the Wild first, and then went back to play this game to see if the perception was different. The freedom that comes with Breath of the Wild cannot be found at the same scale in this game. However, there's a sense of delight and wonder that is definitely still there. It was one of my most anticipated games of 2019, and I think it lives up to that hype and billing and then some. I thoroughly enjoyed my time playing through Link's Awakening for the second time in its full remade glory. So, the developers Nintendo, and it's available on Nintendo Switch, 
It was originally released on the 20th of September 2019, and I gave it a final score of 90 out of 100. What did you think of Link's Awakening? Let me know and email me on podcast at thisweekinvideogames.com or contact me on Twitter at TWIVGpodcast. And uh, yeah, let me know what you thought of Link's Awakening. Well, that's it for Link's Awakening, and next up, I'm going to take a look at Untitled Goose Game. So geese, they can be obnoxious creatures. Sure, when you're a kid, you likely went to a petting zoo, saw some geese and thought they were cute. Perhaps you had a pond in your hometown and saw them floating around all day chilling. But the humble goose can be a menace to society and that fact has been beautifully captured here in Untitled Goose Game for Nintendo Switch and PC. In Untitled Goose Game, you play the humble goose and he's out to cause havoc and chaos in this quaint and peaceful surroundings of an English village. You progress through the game by solving puzzles and generally being a pain in the beak to everyone around you. The developer House House understands the psyche of the goose, wanting to steal and terrorise the people surrounding it and they've executed the simple goose mechanic so beautifully and simply. At the heart of the game is a pure comedic concept. What would it be like to play as a goose and cause some trouble? A whole lot of fun is the answer, and that simple mischievous joke is weaved throughout this short but satisfying game. The game appeared at indie showcases earlier in 2019, and I remember playing a demo back at EGX Resd in London earlier this year. And since then, the game's reputation has grown much like a goose standing there flapping its wings. Part of the charm of Untitled Goose Game is the realisation of the main protagonist, the goose, The way the goose walks, waddles, flaps its wings and honks is hilarious in its own right. The animation is detailed and true to life and the surrounding world is full of puzzles, people and items for the goose to interact with. There's something so satisfying waddling around and causing mischief, stealing someone's food, surprise some folks eating their lunch or sneak up on an unsuspecting shopkeeper and honk behind them to startle them. It's all fantastic fun. The goose is a mean goose, and that's for sure, but therein lies the charm. Pull a chair away from a man before he's about to sit down so he falls on the floor, or trap a small boy in a phone booth, or put some lady's clothes in a fountain with some soap to do the washing. It's genuinely laugh-out-loud stuff. The gameplay mechanics in the game is somewhere between puzzle and stealth mechanics. It reminded me of the old point-and-click adventure games where you have an objective, you have to interact with some items and some characters and then make your way to the next. There's also more than hints of Hitman here where you have to use your stealth and distraction tactics to steal something or get past someone. 
So Untitled Goose Game isn't a long game, and you could probably play it in one sitting, coming in at approximately three hours in total, although someone has already done a speedrun in about four minutes. There's a collection of small areas, and in each area you have to solve a number of objectives to get through to the next. Interestingly enough, the goose has a checklist, although how the goose ticks these items off is unknown. But it provides structure to the simple game that's otherwise extended to a series of slapstick gags. In this way, Untitled Goose Game doesn't outstay its welcome. It's small, short and perfectly formed. The world is created with love and care by Australian developers House House. The game looks to be set in a typical English village and the art style and animation fits perfectly within this world. The expressive animations of the goose are hilarious as well as perfectly describing the anguish, frustration and confusion of the villagers. The calming soundtrack perfectly accompanies the quaint pretty environment and offsets the carnage that the goose brings. It's a really nice kind of almost improvised piano. When the scene is nice and calm, the piano kind of plays along and plinks along in the background. It's really nice. But when the, when the goose causes trouble, the piano uses minor notes, kind of crashes into the keys. And it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of um, reminiscent of an old uh, black and white movie. The puzzles in Untitled Goose Game are clever and inventive, and they're not too difficult stopping you in your tracks. There may be some moments where you get stuck, but here you have to summon your inner goose and simply ask, what would a goose do? Each puzzle and checklist item offers laughs and satisfaction, making the Untitled Goose Game well worth picking up. So there's some life out loud moments in here for sure, like when you make the man spit out his tea by ringing a bell behind him, or you make a small boy buy back his own stuff from a market when you steal his aeroplane. One of the most clever puzzles is where you drop a bucket on a burly man's head towards the end of the game, and uh, yeah, really, really good. Not all the puzzles are clever, so each of the four areas has a fetch quest style puzzle where you have to gather a number of items trying to avoid people in the surroundings. So these were the only moments for me where the game dragged, but that that quickly passed. The payoff at the end of the game is truly hilarious and makes it well worth sticking with. So in summary, Untitled Goose Game is funny, satisfying and a different take on the puzzle stealth genre. It's a simple joke, you're a goose honking your way around a village causing trouble and the joke doesn't really get old or annoying. If anything, it gets funnier as the game goes on. So as the game is short, it can easily be played in a single playthrough or across a couple of sessions. So it's a charming game and one that stands out from the crowd in 2019. So the developer was House House. It's available on Nintendo Switch and PC via the Epic Game Store. And it was originally released on the 20th of September 2019. And I gave the game a final score of 85 out of 100. Let me know what you think about Untitled Goose Game. Send me an email on podcast at thisweekinvideogames.com or tweet me at TWIVGpodcast on Twitter. So if you're enjoying This Week in Video Games podcast, then head on over to iTunes and it'd be great if you left a nice review. It really helps get the word out about the podcast, so if you've got access to iTunes and you could leave a five-star review, I'd really, really appreciate it. So don't forget, This Week in Video Games has a YouTube channel and that goes alongside with the podcast. The YouTube channel's got the entire archive of the podcast, as well as dedicated reviews, interviews and features. So search This Week in Video Games on YouTube and subscribe today for all the latest content. And I've actually put up their guides on uh, Legend of Zelda, Link's Awakening, and the Untitled Goose Game as well. But if you want to see anything specific on YouTube, send me an email on podcast at thisweekinvideogames.com. It'd be great to hear from you. So next up, let's take a look at the news of the week. 
So first up in the news this week, we've got The Last of Us 2 is out in February next year. So this is from Eurogamer by Matt Wales. And uh, Sony's long-awaited third-person misery sneaker sequel, The Last of Us Part 2, finally has a release date. So it's going to be ripping the happiness right out of the PS4 owners on the 21st of February next year. So The Last of Us 2 picks up some five years after developer Naughty Dog's 2013 PS3 original, with players this time controlling Ellie. So previous word on the game has confirmed in between snatches of gameplay that Joel is set to return and that Naughty Dog will not be shying away from the disturbing violence to paint its particular vision of a post-apocalyptic world. So, the developer's latest trailer, unveiled alongside its release date announcement, wasn't quite as gruesome as previous offerings, but it did give us the first proper look at Joel in the sequel, now considerably less fresh-faced after five years at the end of the world. So, with the release date finally out in the open, it's a fair bet that we'll start to learn a whole lot more about The Last of Us 2 very soon. So, yeah... Coming out in February uh, 2020, going to be really, really good. So I actually haven't played a Naughty Dog game. I can't, I can't really believe that. And uh, I know Uncharted and The Last of Us, uh, yeah, super amazing games. But um, I'm thinking about doing a playthrough of The Last of Us before The Last of Us 2 come out and uh, maybe get that on the PS4 remaster. Super exciting stuff there from The Last of Us 2. So next up in the news, we've got Xbox One game streaming service Project xCloud. That's going to go public in October. So this is coming out of Polygon, and it's from Michael McWhirter. So Microsoft's Xbox One game streaming service Project xCloud is going to get a public preview test in October, letting select testers play games like Gears 5 and Halo 5 Guardians on their phones and tablets. So, in a public preview of Project xCloud, it's going to be initially limited to players in the United States, United Kingdom, and Korea. So we've got Halo 5 Guardians, uh, Gears 5 and Killer Instinct and also Sea of Thieves. They're going to be playable as part of the preview. And Microsoft say it's going to add more titles over time. So testers aren't going to need to own Xbox One games available during the Project xCloud preview in order to play them. So players interested in taking part in the Project xCloud public preview can register for that closed beta uh, based on their country. So Microsoft says it's going to roll out invitations in a phased approach, starting with a small number of participants and opening up to more players over time. So Project xCloud public preview tests will initially be limited to Android devices running Android 6.0 or higher with Bluetooth 4.0. So participants will also need a Microsoft account and a Bluetooth-enabled Xbox One wireless controller. So Project xCloud is going to be compatible with Wi-Fi and cellular networks, and Microsoft says it's working with a number of cellular providers worldwide, including SK Telecom in Korea, T-Mobile in the US, and Vodafone in the UK. So yeah, super exciting news there about the uh, Project xCloud public, uh, public beta. And because we're in the UK, uh, we can sign up. So yeah, go out there, search Xbox One, uh, Project xCloud uh, for public beta, and sign up and see if you can get in. So next up in the news, uh, Rockstar Games is the latest company to power its own PC game launcher. And this one comes from Brian Shea, a game informer. So in recent years, several companies have tried their hands at creating their own PC game launchers. Uh, so while Steam and Battle.net remain the mainstay launchers, so the Epic Games Store is the most recent one to make waves in the space. So Rockstar Games is the latest company to jump in with hopes of becoming a one-stop shop for all your Grand Theft Auto, Bully, L.A. Noir, and Max Payne 3 needs. The Rockstar Games Launcher offers all the features of a standard PC games launcher, including cloud saves, the ability to shop for new games, and automatic updates. 
So right now, the store consists of Grand Theft Auto V, L.A. Noir, the complete edition. We've got Grand Theft Auto Vice City, uh, San Andreas, and Max Payne 3, and also Bully as well, the scholarship edition. So if you want to download the Rockstar Games Launcher, uh, you can find it uh, online, and uh, doing so will get you a free copy of Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. So if you've already had copies of Grand Theft Auto V or Max Payne 3 installed on your PC, uh, you can use the Rockstar Games Launcher to access them after you install it. So all your existing data should transfer in. So with Rockstar bringing their game launcher to PC, there are rumours about uh, saying that uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 is about to come to PC. So that is that is super exciting news. And hopefully I would love to play Red Dead Redemption 2 in full 60 FPS at least, but you know maybe, maybe even more FPS than that. Uh, I played it on uh, PS4 last year when it when it came out in November, I think it was. I really, really enjoyed Red, Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, but yeah, can't wait to play it on PC. And uh, I think I might just pick it up again if it comes out on the Rockstar Game Launcher. So next up in the news, Borderlands 3 is the fastest selling game in 2K's history. And this one's coming from gamesindustry.biz from James Batchelor. So the latest Borderlands outing has broken multiple records for both the series and 2K Games Publishing. So Take-Two has announced Borderlands 3 sold 50% more copies in its first five days than Borderlands 2, which makes it the fastest selling 2K title to date. So further indicating the shift away from retail, the publisher reports that 70% of all copies sold during that time were digital. The highest percentage of downloads have ever been taken from a multi-platform title released both physically and digitally by 2K Games. Selling for Borderlands 3 reached more than 5 million units in the first five days, meaning the franchise has now generated more than 1 billion in net bookings to date. It's only the second 2K franchise to ever achieve this. So it also marks the highest number of pre-order titles for a 2K title as well, with the highest selling PC title has generated more than 14 million hours of content viewed on Twitch. And that's more than half of what Borderlands 2 achieved in seven years. Oh my god, these numbers are incredible. So all in all, Borderlands 3 has exceeded the publisher's expectations, with the company noting that in particular, PC sales of the titles through the Epic Games Store have been incredibly strong. So developer Gearbox Software is now expanding the team in order to support the game with new platforms, as well as updates, patches and free add-ons with various campaign DLC. Well, if Borderlands 2 inflated the, uh, the, the heads of Gearbox Software, well, this... I mean, hugely successful launch um, really, really is going to do wonders for the for the Borderlands franchise. So with these with these numbers, it's probably unlikely that we're going to have to wait that long uh, or as long between Borderlands 2 and 3 um, for maybe Borderlands 4. Because, yeah, it's an incredible game. I reviewed it last episode on the podcast. Uh, and if it wasn't for Link's Awakening and the Untitled Goose game, I'd still be playing the game. And uh, yeah, fantastic, fantastic game. If you haven't played Borderlands 3, you should definitely pick it up and uh, check it out because the loot in there is insanely, insanely fun. And uh, yeah, amazing numbers there. And uh, so Borderlands 3 becomes the fastest selling title in 2K history. So that's it for the news this week. Next up, let's take a look at the charts. So in the all-platform charts this week, so at number 10, down six places from last week's number 4, we've got NBA 2K20. Number 9 this week, it's Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled, up one place from 10. 
Eight this week, it's Spyro Reunited Trilogy. That's down one place from last week's seven. And number seven this week, it's Grand Theft Auto V, up one place from eight. And number six this week, we've got Tom Clancy's The Division 2, which is up 14 places from number 20. Then at number five, we've got eFootball, Pez 2020, and that's down two places from number three. And number four this week, it's Gears 5, and that's down two places from last week's number two. And at three this week, it's our old favourite, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, and that's up three places from last week's number six. Number two this week, it's Borderlands 3, which is down one place from last week's number one. And number one this week, it's The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening on Nintendo Switch. So congratulations to Nintendo for uh, getting this week's number one. And uh, yeah, fantastic game, really, really good work, and uh, well-deserved number one. So that's it for the charts this week. Let's have a look at what we've got coming up next week. So we've got Destiny 2 Shadowkeep, that's coming out on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Google Stadia and PC. And uh, remember, if you're playing on PC, it's also moving over to Steam. So make sure you, uh, you do that migration and you can preload now. So that's coming out on October the 1st. We've got Neocab, that's coming out on October the 3rd. Uh, that's coming out on PC. We've got Ghost Recon Breakpoint, that's coming out on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Google Stadia and PC. That's on October the 4th. We've got Atlas coming out on Xbox One and PC. That's on the uh, 8th of October. And also on the 8th, we've got a few other games as well. We've got Concrete Genie coming out on PlayStation VR and PS4. We've got Indivisible. That's on the PS4, Xbox One and, uh, and PC. And we've got John Wick Hex. That's coming out on PC and Mac. We've got Trine 4, The Nightmare Prince. That's coming out on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch and PC. And we've got Ukulele and The Impossible Lair. It's also coming out on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch and PC. Then on the 11th of October, we've got Doraemon, The Story of Seasons. That's coming out on the Switch and PC. We've got Grid coming out on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Stadia and PC. And finally, we've got Killer Queen Black coming out on Switch and PC. And this one is... Uh, so I've heard about Killer Queen Black before. And uh, it's been in arcade cabinets. And I think there's something like 75 arcade units across the US. I'm not sure how many there are in the UK. But um, I've heard a lot about Killer Queen Black and I'm super excited to uh, see this come out on Nintendo Switch and uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to that one. But Destiny 2 Shadowkeep has got to be my most anticipated game of the next couple of weeks. Really, really looking forward to that and you can look forward to some Destiny 2 Shadowkeep content on this week in video games over the coming weeks and I'm sure probably months as well. So that's it for coming up next week. Let's take a look at what I've been doing outside of gaming. So this week, outside of gaming, I've been watching Top Boy on Netflix. So it's the third season of Top Boy, uh, which first aired on Channel 4 in the UK in 2011. So it tells the story of gangs in London living in a fictional estate called Summer House. What it's like to run the streets and make fast money. But it shows both sides of the coin. So the violence, the drugs, the knife crime. But also relationships, family and that sense of belonging. So on the surface the series may seem a bit grim. But it's a gripping drama and it has a sense of realness and reflects what parts of London are really like and how people have to live. The original series was cancelled after season 2 by Channel 4. However it's been brought back with a little help from Drake. Yes, the Drake. 
uh, for its third season on Netflix. So, slightly confusing in the title, on Netflix it's called Top Boy Season 1, and the original series have been renamed to Top Boy Summer House. If you haven't seen it before, I definitely recommend watching Top Boy Summer House, the first two seasons first. Uh, There's only four episodes in each season, so there's eight episodes in total. Uh, And then move on to uh, Top Boy, um, because that's a regular kind of, um, I think it's eight to ten episodes in that season. Uh, But in season three, Deshane is in Jamaica, on the run after an encounter with the Albanians in season two. So we left Deshane hiding under a bridge after one of his young gang members was murdered by being dropped from a building. Sully, real-life rapper Kano, is in jail, although he's due to get out in a few days. Deshane gets in some trouble in Jamaica after a botched robbery that he ends up killing one of the gang members there. So the boss ain't happy, but Deshane convinces him that he can sell drugs back in London on his old patch. However, back in London there's a new breed of young'uns that have risen to the top of the food chain and now run the streets. Deshane and Sully get back together and start their journey back to the top. I must say, I really enjoyed it, and I enjoyed it so much that after watching season 3, I went back and watched season 1 and 2 again. I seem to remember only watching season 2 when it was on Channel 4, but my evenings for the past couple of weeks have been binging the whole series, and I think everyone should go out and watch this incredible drama. So congratulations to all the cast and crew, it's a fantastic drama, and uh, really, really good, and they've really stepped it up a notch from that move to Channel 4 to Netflix. You can see that Netflix gloss... Uh, you can see the production techniques, the cinematography, the way they make London look. Even though the story is quite grim, the way they frame London and uh, and make it look, it's absolutely fantastic. And, and as someone who's lived in London uh, for the last 15 years, uh, I really, really enjoyed the series. And yeah, my congratulations goes out to the whole team. So what do you think about Top Boy? Have you seen it? Well, send me an email on podcast at thisweekinvideogames.com or tweet me at podcast on Twitter. Well, that's it for this week's episode. So if you want to get involved in the show, email me on podcast at thisweekinvideogames.com or check out the latest on the website. Send in your questions, your comments, your video game stories. I'm always interested in hearing from you. So I'm also available on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube and Instagram. So search This Week in Video Games on your favourite platform and join in the conversation. And if you want to support This Week in Video Games content, then head on over to patreon.com forward slash This Week in Video Games. So in exchange for supporting the show, you get shout-outs, a Discord role, exclusive Patreon content polls, special design podcast scripts, and stickers. So if you enjoyed This Week in Video Games content, then sign up to Patreon. It would be wonderful to see you there. So thanks again for hanging out with me and chatting about video games. I hope you had a good week. I'll talk to you in a few weeks' time, but for now... I'll see you soon.